Hello, hello everyone. Hello, hello. Wait one second before I get to Hey, hope you're doing well. Just wait a couple seconds, guys. Well, then if they're unable to join. Oh, there we go. Okay, it worked. <laughs> hey. How are you? Good. How about you? What's the Good. Just getting from work. You know the vibes. Oh. I know those vibes very well. So we're going to get right into it. Um, so hello, everybody. This is this is the Reimagine IG Live series of TMDC, Visualizing a New World and Actualizing Justice. Um, I'm Adriana Sola, the founder and president of the National Black Cooperative, um, where our mission is to use a health justice framework to fight anti-Blackness, systemic racism, and social injustice through education, advocacy, and community engagement so that Black, Indigenous, and people of color cannot merely survive but flourish. Um, in the Reimagine IG series, we are discussing visualizing a new world and actualizing justice. The goal of this series is to decolonize what justice looks and feels like, assert action steps to actualize justice, um, and create a community where activists, advocates, scholars, intellectuals, musicians, artists, and many more can be in conversation sharing various viewpoints and cultivating collective power and impact. Um, today, we are joined by Minia Jai um, with a BS in Allied Health Sciences from UConn, she's a community outreach coordinator of Pathway Initiative, and also a racial education and health justice advocate. So without further ado, Minnie, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, definitely. So um, my name is Minnie. I am um, born and raised in Jersey, um, New Jersey. <laughs> and oh my God, Kyle, hi. Um, and yeah, I went to UConn. Adriana and I actually met at um, an HCOP program, which is Health Career Opportunities Programs through UConn Health. Um, and we were both on the pre, we still both are on the pre-med track. Um, and yeah, I guess a little bit about me is I'm an avid reader. Um, I love social justice, as y'all can probably tell. Um, and yeah, I'm very passionate about health equity, health justice, and really just making sure that um, everyone has the opportunity to really get into their get to their fullest self um so yeah currently i'm working at a research clinic as a business development manager um so this research clinic really focuses on increasing the um number of underrepresented people in clinical trials so you know black and brown communities mostly and yeah i'm really just working on the managerial side and um getting things up and running so it's been pretty good so far I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Um, 
what so going on to the, into the next question what grounds you in the social justice space we kind of talked about it already like um, health equity and health justice but if you just wanted to go a little bit more in depth about that or any like there's various forms we have like health equity we have criminal justice we have education equity we have voting rights and a lot of times like you could think of those things intersectionally or you could think of them um separately too so like what is your what grounds you in the social justice space and i guess why does it ground you yeah. So I think for me, it, it kind of started early on in life. And the, this was before I knew what the terms, you know, health equity and, um, you know, educational equity, especially were. Um, so I think for me, what really grounds me is um, my personal experience, my personal lived experience. Um, growing up, I grew up in a predominantly black community um, in northern New Jersey. And, you know, by the grace of God, my family was able to move um you know closer to my dad's job just further out west so it's you know predominantly white community so i think that was really where i saw the drastic differences in how um where you live um and where you go to school really determines the trajectory of your life so i think since then i've been very passionate about educational equity and really um especially as it regards to STEM education and how that plays into going into medicine particularly, but honestly, any real STEM fields. Um, and then health equity in the same regard. Um, I actually, at the HCAP program that Adriana and I did together, that was pretty much where like my passion for health disparities and health inequities um, really started to kind of fester. And then um, through undergrad, taking more classes in those different um, in those different spaces kind of really solidified it for me. So yeah, I think my passions and my personal lived experiences so far have definitely grounded me and continue to keep me grounded. Yes, I think that's a really great point, thinking about like the intersectionality of your identity and being like a Black woman mm -hmm. um, and thinking about like how you navigate different spaces, particularly in STEM where like we're very like, as of recently it's increased, but like definitely when we were initially starting out, it was definitely few and far in between and having spaces like HCOP where like you have all black people that are um have goals of being pre-med or pre-dent um where you can like bounce ideas off of and be in community with them yeah something that's like so like priceless and space when you're like most of the time in spaces where that's not necessarily the case um so yeah that's I love that um so what what is your form of action when we think of this there's like very a lot of different mediums in which like action can come in right you think about education so educating people on different topics about the history about the current current events activation like activating people um trying to get people out to do different things community building um you can think about music you think about art there's like various different forms that activism um action can come through what is your cho chosen form and why is that your chosen form of action so that's a good question. I never like really thought about it um, too much. I just you know I was passionate about you know social justice and advocacy and activism. And um, I think for me personally, I'm I'm very fortunate to feel fluid in this space because I feel like when it comes to a lot of things in a capitalist system, you feel like you have to be really structured and like in these different boxes. Um, so for me, I definitely feel like I bounce between education, like not only of others, but like myself, particularly like I'm still constantly learning about like the histories of injustices that, you know, we've faced um, as a community. But I think also just really like having conversations with my friends um, 
and you know eventually hopefully to get in the space where i'm not just having those with friends but also people who i'm not necessarily close with um and having you know valuable um conversations in that sense but i think that community building especially i've always been passionate about community um Adriana knows for sure. So, you know, really building community capacity to one, learn about these things, but also really engage in the systems around us and find ways that we can improve them ourselves instead of really relying on um, the larger structures um, that are quite literally oppressing us to make those changes. Um, so yeah, I think that activism just in general and advocacy really like, you know, and those different and organizing, you know, naturally kind of all fits into that as well. So I would say like those main ones, but I think, like I said, it's very fluid for me. And as, as my life adjusts and you know, my responsibilities change, just also giving myself that grace and that space to move accordingly and kind of adjust as needed. So, yeah. No, facts. And I think something that I find really admirable about you is like, especially like from when we first met at HCOG and then going on, like in every space that you're in, you're always trying to like make space and hold space for other people and trying to make sure that like you bring other people along with you, right? And like we think about like when you're president of MAPS and how like when you took over that and like the way you would create your PowerPoints, you're like, you're really speaking to people, you're trying to engage with people and you always make sure that you like left an open, it was an open forum so everybody felt like accessible, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you could have like, like grooming but like not all the time do you feel accessible sometimes it feels like you know there's like this group of people that are higher up than you and like you know it just feels like there's could be a barrier at times but like something I could really be appreciative about like the map experience that you created as being when you're a president is like there's an accessibility of like sharing of knowledge sharing of like this is what I went through so you don't have to go through this like I want you to know all like the hardships <laughs> I went through right. you don't have to go through that next time like yeah. learn from my mistakes you know and I think that's something that's like very appreciative because it's so important for the people coming after you um, to really make it just that much easier. So that's something that I really appreciate about your activism. And I think like the idea of like just being yourself, being like the identity of being a black woman is like radical enough and like existing in that space and taking up space um, in a real way. Like sometimes that is enough in spaces that don't necessarily help you. So like, I truly appreciate that. Um, the next question, the next question is, when did you become activated? So thinking about like, was there a certain time or not even a certain time, but like, if it's not a certain time, when did you just like realize, when did the curtain drop for you? And like, when did you just become like, oh, I identify this and this. You may not have the words for it necessarily to like um, really like um, indict the system, but when did you become activated and how did you come back, become activated? If so, and if, did somebody or something activate you? So I personally believe like for me and I feel like for everyone, honestly, like activation in this space is very much a gradual thing, at least in my opinion, at least that's exactly how it was for me. Um, I think, you know, knowing for a long time, the just the sheer difference in the quality of healthcare that I an education that I was able to receive because I moved an hour away from where I used to live um, or like 50 miles, quote unquote. And then I think just like in college, especially, you know, when you, I was reading this book and I actually have it right next to me. Um, it's been so good. I will definitely, you know, link it and 
tell you guys about it but um it's like when you're not able to name something you don't really know like like one how it affects you and two like what you want to do about it so i think one doing the health disparities program being able to name what health disparities are and then you know further on in my academic career i did an independent study and did health equity research and just the sheer knowledge base that i grew at UConn and then being able to do something about it with my research was like I think that was really what activated me also note that that was over the time period of 2020 so I think 2020 really was kind of like the catalyst for me in terms of like the summer and just everything that happened that summer and the aftermath after that even just like the fact that no one really cares anymore like that is kind of also very much like my activation and making sure that this is not something that goes away like these are long-standing issues that you know are not going to get fixed until someone cares so um i think like those those little things all together kind of culminated in my activation so far i love that and i think something that you touched on earlier when you were saying um like developing that language, right? Like something I talk about with like one of my other friends too, Eva Live. It's kind of it's kind of funny how like, these lives are starting to become in conversation with each other, but like how important like gaining that language and like being able to identify like systems are trying to be like, oh, like this is like um institutionalized medical racism and like this is a history that, you know, um is is bore out of and this is how it affects the system and this is why like you could take this person out like it just it gains you so much agency over like how you can plan an attack right and when you don't have that language like you understand it but you just it is a it takes you to a different level of being able to really like actualize like yeah that kind of things you want to see um so i really appreciate that point like i feel like that is so important like gaining and making that language accessible to others right yeah i think it's so important um yeah it's one of and then going in, oh sorry go ahead I was just gonna say that's like one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about education because I think that it's one of the most it's one of the most critical tools to be able to understand things and really like just apply what you're learning like it's like once you have that level of awareness like you can't no one can take that away from you and so it's yeah that's just yeah but we won't get too far into that so. No, I love it. Knowledge is power. Knowledge, Knowledge is power. 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 Um, going into the next question, what does reimagining a new world mean to you? Mm. I think... Hmm, that's a good question. So for me, I think it's one one thing is like realizing that the world as it exists is not going to save us. Like the two-party system, capitalism, is not going to save us. So... To really reimagine a world, we need to we need to dismantle and basically burn the world down as it exists. Because the book that I'm reading, actually, let me know because I highlighted this quote because it's so good. Um, I love it. But basically, it's like it's really about moving beyond abolition because, like, abolition should be the start essentially. And um, the particular quote that I want to reference is like it says. Um, was it abolitionists? Okay, so one, abolitionists create the necessary language and environments to move our particular communities away from punitive and carceral responses um, and introducing instead ways to deal with these issues through restorative and transformative measures. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, 
it's really about community. Um, I think that the individualistic um, systems that we live in, um, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get us to where we need to go. Um, so I think it's really about understanding that and coming to a place where we're investing in communities. We are um, redistributing power. We are letting everyone have the experience to really live a life full of joy and like just liberation as a whole. <laughs> so I think one quote that I like love and I think really grounds me also in this work is by Bell Hooks, love her. Um, may her soul rest in perfect peace. But um, I think it's the heart of justice is truth telling and seeing ourselves in the world the way it is rather than the way we want it to be. So at the heart of it all is really just truth like and being able to name that truth and call it out. Like there's so many atrocities and injustices that are still not fully addressed or like fully honestly addressed, I should say. So I think at the core of it all, we have to start with that and then just burn it all down really. <laughs> start again, start afresh, you know, get into the spaces of community that we're so desperately looking for but are not getting right now so no i agree and i think something you really touched on there that was like it's important is like the idea of like not only like collective power collective impact but a collective history that we all have voice in telling mm -hmm. right because like, for so many times like our history is taught to us and up till now our history has been taught to us by the colonizers right and they have a certain perspective that they're going to tell a sanitized one a one that doesn't tell the whole truth like you said like truth telling true truth telling that tells the whole truth the entire truth unsanitized truth uh -huh. and there's a power and when when we all i was listening to this podcast a while ago it was called the through line podcast and they had nicole hannah jones on you know <laughs> and he was talking about um the 1619 project and like the importance for her of, like making sure that it tells the collective history and how even though you know she may have got those attacks from the other side like the beauty and seeing like black and brown people feel empowered by being able to like really learn about the, the, the true history, the history that's hidden, that's untold, that they choose not to tell the entirety of, right? Because that would make us more human. But it would um, it would really show the, the, the extraordinary nature of our being, right? And I think there's something very powerful in that, like being able to identify and make community of a collective history. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important, like you said, like, like going back to your piece about like education being so important and the way that the stories that we choose to tell and narratives that we choose to tell being like important in that too because it helps you idea like once you start learning history you start to drop the veil on so many things that you see now because like it's all so interconnected it's, it's like, all connected girl it's all connected like the book oh god i'm gonna i'm gonna send it to you because it's it's, it's there's so many gems like the highlights like it's just it's it's ever <laughs> Anyway, I love it. I love it. Because this has been, it's um, it's called The Belly of the Beast, The Politics of Anti-Fatness as Anti-Blackness. Um, <laughs> no, but it's just, it talks about so many systems, especially the medical industrial complex. And yeah, so lots of learning I've been doing. And unlearning, learning and unlearning, I should say. So yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, and going into the next question, when did you develop the capacity to visualize a world better than the one we live? And I think of this, like, for me, this incident came when I was in, like, I've always had, like, a very, like, 
um, I guess you could say radical disposition or just like a um, just a very like social justice disposition in life. But I think it like everything just like started like came together at this one moment. I was in a sociology class. It was when I was still at MCC my freshman year mm. or my sophomore year, and my teacher was like, "You guys know that like racism real, right?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, oh. "Get to your point." And then she was like. I was like, God, definitely a black. <laughs> like, but then she was like, No, it's a social, it's a social construct. And whenever I, I once I learned the like that the concept of being a social construct, I'm like, everything is socially created. So none of this stuff is really real. It's everything that we, it's what we choose to give value to, mm. and over time it becomes real, like it exists in reality. Yeah. But all this stuff is socially constructed, and in that we have the power to. If that's the truth, if that's if that's fact, that everything is socially constructed. That means that we have the value to construct something different if we want to, if we all come together as collective. And when I got to that point, I was like, oh, I'm free. <laughs> like, you can tell me nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, when did you develop the capacity to visualize a world better than the one we live? And like, how did you get to that point? And how has that evolved over time for you? Hmm. Wow. Um. Okay, so honestly i don't even know to be quite honest with you like i feel like even when i was learning about health disparities health inequities justice and knowing what those terms meant like i was still thinking within the confines and limitations of the systems we live in um i don't even think that i I really don't know, actually. I really want to say it wasn't until, like, 2021, honestly. Like, I'm not even kidding. I, Because, like, I... Like, summer 2020, we were all jaded. <clears throat> I'm still jaded from that. And I think... I Like, I always I, like, had learned that race was a social construct and everything. But I don't think until, like, I really started just, like, asking why things are the way they are. And, like, just... Especially in the context of, like, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not even going to get into it on this live. But it's just, like, you just realize that the things that you've learned, like, they don't need to be the way they are. So I think for me, I think when I came to that understanding, which is probably, like, 2021, just kind of, like, very, not very long ago. No, but that's real, and I love it. Yeah, um, so that, and then how has it evolved over time? I think just, like, really understanding that every day obviously every day is different for everyone but every day is what you constructed to be for yourself so like obviously we live in these structures we live in the society but you know what am i doing for myself and for that I mean, for that in that regard i mean um like just daydreaming about a different world so i think following the nap ministry on i know you are a subscriber as well so the nap ministry has really helped me in terms of just like really thinking in more liberation and in, in more liberation mindset because i feel like even within like especially like health equity research as the way i experienced it like even within that confine you're in the structure of academia which is very much you know not what we're looking for so you know i think yeah just really focusing on freedom and liberation and um and as that continues to evolve i think it's just i think it's just going to continue to grow honestly like there's no 
I think now I'm in a place where I'm not really limiting myself in terms of what I can imagine for the world that we live in. So, I mean, obviously it'll take a lot of work to get there, but I think the generation that is coming up is definitely focused on making sure that we're living a life that we all want to live, so. And I think going off your point about, like, the nap ministry, and, like, something that I think is so important about what they say, like, the idea of, like, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, Undistracted, but she, the nap bishop was on there, and she was talking about um, radical, rest, rest as being radical. Yeah. And that episode really stuck with me because she said something about how, she talked about how our ancestors, talking about, like, enslaved Africans that came over to this country and came to the island, the Caribbean islands, right, they were kidnapped, and talking about how like historically they were denied rest right because this capitalist system that only valued the labor and viewed them as property right and for us like their their um their offspring their their um generations later us being able to rest is like um not only regenerative but it's like creating an ancestral connection or bond allowing us to reconnect with their ancestors and also this idea of like rest being regenerative and allowing you like you can't rest you're not able you're most likely more likely than not not really able to reimagine to your fullest potential right and if you're not really able to reimagine you're not able to really start to um attack and put um, action and indict these systems that are that are harming us that are systemically and structurally harming us and i think when you get like you get there you're just like oh my gosh like what have we been doing all this time no, literally <laughs> like what is going you're just like yo like i like you totally just start thinking about like the way you operated systems and navigated systems and how like you don't want to feed into systems that don't necessarily feed back into you and you just started being very like intentional i don't know i i feel like you probably want to add to this i know we were talking about it earlier but like what do you like feel about that the idea of like radical rest and how that um that mindset like shapes the way that you navigate um like life now yeah i think it's yeah i feel like for me especially like the undergrad grinds like i really did not rap in undergrad like i was always on the move like it's only by the grace of god honestly but i think yeah i think a big part of my transition into this mindset has been the focus of rest in my life like really understanding that i am not a machine like just because this capitalist system has socially constructed me to be someone who should be always be producing especially as a black woman because you know <laughs> it's like no i'm very intentional about my time now i'm very intentional about what i put my energy into like work is work and my passions are my passions my my hobbies are my hobbies like i i compartmentalize so that i'm allowed to like have my time um so i think you know rest really does play a key part in that um because it's like like you said if you're not resting you're not restoring yourself in and i think in a capitalist system that is so hell-bent on making sure that you are producing as much as you can for the one percent being intentional about your time and your peace and your energy is the most radical thing that you can actually do like for yourself and for your community like so when i'm talking to people and i'm like y'all take a day like do what you got to do for yourself like for me that's like my activism really empowering people to make the decisions that they traditionally have not been empowered to do because 
if you're being in, educated in a capitalist system, that's what you're going to learn. And it takes a lot of unlearning to get to a place where you're not constantly feeding and feeding into the capitalist system. So yeah, I think rest definitely plays a big part of it. Um, rest is restorative. It is radical. It is regenerative. It is, it is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Really just feel my soul with that one. You feel my soul. Um, that was everything. No, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So I'm going into the next question. What does justice mean to you and how do you define it? And I, I ask this question because a lot of times, like, justice can be viewed from this very, like, colonized lens. We tend to attach it to, like, the criminal justice system. Mm, you know, it's yeah. fairly intense, right? But, like, in, like, taking that in, like, um, taking that in, like, what does justice mean to you from a very, like, decolonized lens? Like, what can, what can it mean? And how do you define it? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I really love that, like, because it is very much... I, I don't even call it the criminal justice system anymore. I call it the criminal legal system because I don't believe that that system, particularly the way it started, the way it was designed and continues to perpetuate um, the, um, quite frankly, the enslavement of our black and brown brothers and sisters um, and people, obviously. Um, it's just, yeah. So I think for me, um, you know, reimagining what the world can look like and um, justice. Like I said earlier, you know, with the Bell Hooks quote, I think the heart of justice itself is truth telling. So I think justice, especially as it functions in the United States, starts with the truth telling of the history of this country and the impacts of it. And, and when it comes to addressing the impacts of it, like actually putting the money where the mouth is because the socioeconomic and racial inequities in this country, they have a lot of work to be done. Like they're, they're, how are we build, how are we bridging that gap? 400 years, like we have quite some work to do. So there's that. And I think, so you no know, linking back to that, I think for me, justice is really just every person in this society, no matter their identity, their background, um, is really given the chance to just reach their fullest potential. And I think for me, like when I was taking my health equity courses, um, a big thing that they mentioned in health equity is like, it's always compared to the white man because that is the person who has the most power in the society. So I think obviously dismantling structures of oppression, the white man would not be the most idealized version of power, but yeah, just really having a society where everyone is really able to reach their fullest potential with access to opportunities and resources that um yes health justice is essential Avalon. um so yeah i think at the heart of it all is really just meeting everybody where they're at and giving them the access to opportunities and resources um and that can look like a number of things um so it's really about meeting people where they're at and getting them to where they need to be um, and I think it also requires, like I said, open, honest communication, truth telling, the whole nine yards. So it's like all very, it's very uh, integrated, if you will. <laughs> no, I love that, like the intersectionality of it all. And I think when you were talking about that, something that resonated with me, there's this like TED talk I watched a while back by like Mia Birdsong, and you talked about how like meeting people where they're at, like how that's important. And she talked about how, um, 
a lot of times I just blame like like things like poverty on the people that are in poverty, right? And it's like like why can't we just pull ourselves up from the bootstraps like idea, right? And she talked about how if I'm gonna try something so as good as I can. But she talked about how like society like creates this narrative, right? That makes it like problematizes um poverty and puts it on people that are impoverished versus putting it on the system, right? And then also thinking about how if we only just gave those people the resources, there are people that are people that are impoverished or in poverty or are um are at the margins, right? Not even impoverished, but just the like people that are working at the margins or trying to get things met day to day, right? They're they're making they're innovating every day, just like anybody else. Everybody works hard, right? Everybody works hard. And people in poverty usually work harder than most, right? Mm. And if they only have the resources, the access to those resources to um to bring what they're already doing to like higher heights, right? They would be able to actualize a lot of the things that um that we're saying, right? Like they just need access to resources. Mm. They need access to um to just realize their goals and their flourishing. And because we live in a system that like um that prioritizes um profit, it prioritizes exploitation, like in a real way, right? And also it's, it it prioritizes racial capitalism. Mm. Um we don't value right redistribution of wealth, right? Or making sure everybody has adequate adequate resources. Cause we in a lot of ways um profit off of keeping people in precarity, right? Mm. And that's a part of the thing that people don't want to talk about, right? Like we we in a lot of ways, the especially the one percent, like they have they have stake in keeping people in precarity because if they keep them in precarity, they can keep running them dry without over them. them. It's all about power. Yeah. Big fact. I think one thing you said is um yeah, people people in poverty, they so I think of it like this, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Very over brief overview, but like at the bottom, your base of the pyramid, you have your physiological needs, you have food, water, shelter, everything you need to survive. And then at the top of self-actualization, you have getting to your fullest self, like actualizing what your reality should be like obviously within the system that we live in. But so like, if you're not meeting your basic needs, you're not going to get there. So it's really, the, at the end of the day, like, people's basic needs need to be met to be able to actually get further. Anyway, like, anything. So everything you said is just spot on. And I'm, I'm loving this conversation because it's just, it's so many things that's been on my mind lately. So, yes. No, I love it. I love it, too. Always when I talk with you, it fills the soul every time, every time. Um, The next question is, what allows, so the last two questions are, what allows you to reimagine and then how do you plan to actualize justice? Um, so we talked about like developing the capacity to reimagine, but like what, like every day, like what allows you to keep reimagining? Um, to allows you to keep believing in a world better than the one we live, like that allows you to believe that this is not as good as it gets. Mm. Um, and then how do you plan to actualize justice? So I personally, like I'm, very grounded in my faith i'm a christian um so for me i think my faith in god and jesus is really <laughs> the only thing getting me through these days but i think in terms of realistically understanding that there's a lot more in store than what is on this earth is really what grounds me the most if anything and just knowing that 
we will all at the end of the day like we will all be judged by god our creator and so i just do my best to live according to his word which is he's a god of justice he wants the best for all of his people so for me that is how i kind of really am able to stay grounded and Actually joined them based on um, the auto dealership advice that credit unions their rates their rates are better. So that was um, how I got to know about them. So I know I shall join one or recently. So I'm still waiting for my membership um, uh, uh, card and everything. But one if we need another yeah. low base, it's okay. They can help process it. Um, Are you back? Can you hear me now? Yes. Sorry. Yeah, I hear you. What is, <laughs> so, okay, where did I leave off, I guess? <laughs> um, they, you were talking about, you were talking about God, how that allows you to reimagine. Uh, I think that's about where we left off. Yeah, I think I was just saying in terms of that, like, yeah, just knowing that th there's a lot more than what's on this earth currently um, in store for us. So that's really my grounding, um, my grounding thing and my hope and faith in God and Jesus. Um, and I think at the end of the day, for me, how I plan to actualize justice is really just keep learning, I think. Um, keep learning keep trying to educate others um because like i said education i think is really the first step to um whatchamacallit um activation i think is what you said um and yeah just continue to be open to the difficult conversations um obviously my labor is not free but i am obviously willing to do my part to make sure that people are gaining a better understanding of things if that makes sense um obviously not at the expense of myself because one thing about me is i will take care of myself before i can take on any systemic inequalities anything like that so yeah i think just that and then continuing on my path to really be a community community-based physician and really just um as a physician, doing everything I can, even in medical school, like doing what I can and whatever community I'm in to really impact it um, in whatever way I can. So I think across those and however else, and also really just like mutual aid, mutual funds, um, you know, increasing material support as well for marginalized communities too. I love that. And I think just like in general, what I get from this is like, I really just think I want to thank you for being a part of this live. I feel like Every time I do this, like I feel like it's like all warm inside, and it's like that that is not like that definitely happened today. Um, and I just really appreciate just like the perspective. Um, I think it's very valuable, and I appreciate the honesty too, like just like the the realness and the rawness that you gave with us. And I just implore you just to keep being the force in the world that you are, because like any space that you grace, I'm sure is only gonna make it better. Um, and with that, I wanted to just like leave it with do you have anything else you want to tell the audience like your future goals things that you think are important this is just like let the people know is there anything that's on your mind that you want to get out to the people before we call it a wrap um yeah i mean i think main thing is just like keep like keep learning keep understanding how these systems are 
intersecting to impact us, but obviously acting in silos as well. Um, and just never lose or never lose your understanding of the power of community. Cause I think that is one thing that's really been, I've been really focusing on and it's like, and community can be anywhere. So it doesn't have to be with you. It can be on a zoom call. It can be on a FaceTime call, like just calling people, checking in on them, just really understanding the power of community. I think, um, is what's going to get us through not only this pandemic, but life because it's rough out here. (laughs) (laughs) Big bags, big bags. And then in terms of future goals, just getting into med school and continue on the path. I mean, I know, I know where I'm headed and what my goal is and yeah, that's really it. Only greatness to come. Only greatness to come. Thank you. Thank you so much, Penny. I really appreciate you. And this was a wonderful live. Oh. Um, you guys catch this on the replay because I will save it to our page. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I had such a great time. And I'm definitely excited to see what other lives you guys have in store. And yeah, thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. Be well. You- it's all love. Bye. Bye.